0: Hello and welcome in to another edition of the PNTC football pod coming at you with our week one review recording moments after the Jets defeat the Buffalo Bills in overtime, a walk off punt return touchdown, a pretty entertaining game uh, on Monday night here, kind of following the theme of relatively entertaining football this weekend, but not necessarily quality football. Cody, how did you do in your fantasy leagues this weekend?
1: Yeah, I, I actually forgot to talk to you about this before, but I said I was, I think to lead off each Monday or Tuesday episode, we should just recap basically our personal week. So I'm in four individual fantasy football leagues, went two and two, lost both of them by five and six points. So it was right there in all of my matchups, had pr- relatively good weeks. I luckily didn't have too many of the players that completely dudded. Um, and then actually in the one week I did where I had both Justin Fields and Geno Smith, luckily my team won in that Superflex League. So not too bad of a week. Uh, our best bets went four and two. So props to both of us, both going two and one. Um, I'm in a guillotine league, made it past week one, and then also in a survivor pool and made it past week one. So we can uh, we can go into week two with plenty of, uh, of fantasy football and NFL stuff to talk about. Uh, How did you do this week? How many leagues are you in actually?
0: Five total. uh, Went three and two. I definitely am a little disappointed tonight. I needed uh, 25 points out of Josh Allen and Tyler Bass, and I was only able to get about 23 after the four turnovers from Josh Allen, so I thought I had that one kind of in the bag. But three and two. Did lose our main mini-dynasty league and lost uh, J.K. Dobbins to injury for the year, so I'm feeling a little pessimistic about that. Had him in one other league as well, but is what it is. Hopefully we can get those big injuries out of the way early and we don't deal with them later on. But uh, three and two overall. And then, yeah, the best bets ended up working out pretty well. I think I whiffed pretty hard on one of them, but I uh, felt pretty good about the other ones I put out there. So we were, we um, were on the same side, but there's nothing you can do about it. Got the under in that game. So uh, went one for two in that game and then two for two on the others. I, I can't really argue with that at the end of the day. Um, you have anything else you want to bring up from your Oh, fantasy I do want to
1: say if you listen to the betting episode where we're starting a segment where we give plus five hundred odd bets, Nick was right there with his J.K. Dobbins two touchdowns. I mean, it, it was almost guaranteed at with the point where he went out of that game. I I felt for you when it happened, because like what a what a yeah, call. He, and then he
0: tore his Achilles on the 35 inch line and the backup <laughs> running back immediately came in and punched in the touchdown he would have had. And then, uh, to add insult to injury, the backup running back Justice Hill plunged in for another short yardage score that almost certainly would have been Dobbins's as well later in the game. So yes, that was uh, definitely tough to see. Would have been nice to get off to a uh, a good start on the you know the long shot bets, but uh, we'll take a two and one start there. And I think the process was right. So at the end of the day, that's all we can uh, all we can really control. But for sure. Uh, we are going to talk about a few injuries before we jump into the studs and duds. We're going to be doing our weekly reviews a little bit different this year. Uh, let me just let me just explain how we're going to do these real quick, and then we can hit the drop. But um, we're going to just focus on the guys that you know had impressive or you know concerning weeks. I think uh, this way we can really just hone in on the guys that our opinions are changing on. If we didn't mention somebody. It probably means that we feel similarly about them uh, as we did coming into week one. And that sort of will be the case moving forward. I think this, again, will be a more efficient route to uh, getting you the fantasy content you need. We'll still try to do time codes. It'll just look a little bit different. Uh, But again, if you're looking for a specific player, uh, you know, judging by how they did, they're either going to end up in the studs, the duds, or uh, they are holding even on their value, basically. So uh, Cody, you want to hit the drop for the injury segment?
1: yeah since we're since we're going ahead and uh talking about that we'll go ahead and hit make sure you hit that subscribe button leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to as well i think we're up to 12 on apple Podcasts. if we could find a way to get up to 15 or 20 maybe maybe 15 by the end of the week 20 a long shot so if you tune into this episode go leave a five-star review we would appreciate it have for you Nick, heard the news let's jump into it.
0: time for nick's news and notes from around the nfl And we will get this one out of the way early because it is pretty depressing for at least one half of this podcast. J.K. Dobbins out for the season with an Achilles tear. This one happened uh, about an hour into Sunday pretty quickly. Looked bad when it happened, and it turned out to be the injury that we sort of feared off the bat there. So really tough break for J.K. Dobbins. This guy can just absolutely not catch a break. Two out of his three seasons, he has basically ended his season before he's even gotten started this one. He at least got fantasy managers about 10 points before he left, but uh, had that ACL tear before his uh, second season. And then the Achilles tear here, just really, really tough to see for Dobbins. We'll get into, uh, you know, the backups later on when we do waiver wire pickups, but just feel for the, feel for the guy. He's a, he's a really special player, but I don't, I think his career is kind of a, you know, going to be derailed by all these injuries.
1: Yep, 100%. I mean, I don't want to say it's the end of a career. He'll probably get some kind of uh, veteran minimum contract somewhere. Um, Someone's probably going to give an opportunity because when he has been on the field, he has been impressive. But the odds of him, you know, looking like he did even to start this game is probably very slim at this point. So, I mean, if you're in – and you're, I mean, we don't got to get too far into it. If you're in Dynasty, do you still hold on to him through the season just to I see what happens? I think they
0: have to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we saw Cam Akers kind of bounce back pretty quickly from an Achilles tear. You never know how those things are going to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dobbins I don't think has a contract for next year. This was his fourth year uh, in the league. And for second round picks and any round after that, that is as far as your contract takes you unless you get an extension, which uh, he has not gotten. So he will be a free agent and coming off an Achilles tear. Yeah, not a good situation for him moving forward. But yeah, any redraft league, go ahead and drop him. Deontay Johnson, he injured his hamstring and left the game. No update on this one yet. Looked pretty bad. He was in a pretty severe amount of pain. I would expect a a couple weeks of absence here from Deontay. Uh, Again, we'll get into the ramifications there later when we hit the waiver wire segment, but definitely be looking uh, elsewhere. If you have Deontay Johnson in your lineup, you're probably going to have to fill in for him for a couple weeks. Tyler Lockett, he left the game with a possible concussion. Status for Week 2 in question, I think this was positive as far as the uh, reports were concerned after the game. Looks like he is, uh, you know, in line to play Week 2, but concussions are always tricky. You just got to keep your eye on it. Jacoby Myers also left the game with a concussion. This one seemed more serious, though. He got absolutely leveled, a really nasty hit coming over the middle of the field really late in the game. He had an outstanding game for the Raiders. That's the only reason he's even making it into this portion of the segment for fantasy-relevant players. But, um, Looked like he uh, he stayed down for a minute. He was out for a li- at least a little bit uh, right after he got hit. So I'd I'd be surprised if he plays in week two. He's probably going to miss at least week two, maybe longer. But again, concussions are just impossible to predict. So uh, something you're just going to have to keep your eye on. Greg Dolcich in the same game. He left with a leg injury, did not return. I've not seen an update on that one yet. And then Aaron Rodgers left after four snaps with an ankle injury. I saw them reporting ankle, but I thought the entire time that was an Achilles. Looks like an Achilles, and uh, they ruled him out real quickly, even though his uh, his X ray came back uh, negative. So that tells me they think it's an Achilles too. Really tough break for the Jets. I obviously don't really feel for the man very much, but uh, for Jets fans, all those that had hope for uh, for Garrett Wilson and all that, uh, you know, it was just really really tough to see for uh, for them. I, I again don't really feel bad for the guy. But some, it looks like it's validation. probably an Achilles injury
1: some validation for you on the Aaron Rodgers news since you started this segment breaking news. Coach Robert Salas says it's not good as jets fear torn Achilles for Aaron Rodgers. will get an MRI on Tuesday.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can, I, you can just kind of see those mechanisms sometimes. And uh, it, it looked a, a lot like how Dobbin's injury happened. He kind of got awkwardly brought down and looked like kind of all of his weight just sort of really like torqued into his right foot in that moment. and, yeah, uh, that that mechanism is never good. And just I cannot believe four plays into his Jets career. It is probably already over. I mean, you know, maybe they bring him back next year, but uh, that that is that is just an incredible turn of events. And how unlucky is this franchise? Absolutely. snake bitten. Yeah. at least they got the win tonight. But uh, yeah, their season is pretty much over at this point. I don't think Zach Wilson's taking you anywhere.
1: Yep, I had two points, and then let, we'll jump into our, our studs segment. First, the Deontay Johnson, just to reiterate how painful it looked, it looked like he had an, an ACL or yeah. ACL tear, the way mm-hmm. that he grabbed his leg and was basically just like head down on the ground. So I would definitely expect him to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, and then on, um, on just Monday Night Football in general, we're not necessarily going to recap the game, but just – What an absolute way to end it. I mean, that is why football is king in, you know, all of sports right now. Just, I mean, I I mean, honestly, a terrible game up until that point. Just two defenses going back and forth. Josh Allen looked absolutely terrible. and Then you get a Jets punt, you know, punt return to walk off the game. And that's going to be leading every single, you know, news article tomorrow morning. So crazy how the NFL works sometimes. And I absolutely love it
0: yeah really really entertaining football just not very good football (laughs) that kind of goes for a lot of this week one action so if you had a tough fantasy week trust me you were not alone i saw a lot of low scores pretty much across the board in most of my leagues um so yeah don't feel bad if you had a bad week one there was uh probably a lot of people right there with you uh do you want to hit the drop for the studs cody yeah winning performances All right. I like it. Yeah, the cut off, um, that cut off
1: very short. I thought that it sounded a little bit longer whenever I was making we'll, it. Okay. We'll
0: get with the audio department and get that hashed out a little bit, but uh, we are... Uh, you know we're we're working in the drops as we can here you know, as the year goes on, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna structure this stud segment similarly to how we do the weekly preview. So it's gonna go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then uh, same for the duds on the other end. Again, we're just trying to make it uh, as easy for you to find the players you want to hear about as possible. So starting out, biggest stud of the week, overall QB one by a quite a wide margin, Tua Tonga Viloa, 466 yards, three scores, and a pick. Super, super encouraging that this came without Teron Armstead, in my opinion. Uh, this offense looked fantastic like it did for large stretches of last year. Uh, super encouraging. Again, this is a pretty soft matchup. The Chargers game had one of the highest over-unders on the the slate, so we don't want to overreact too much, but hard to be uh, not really encouraged by what you saw.
1: Yeah, I, I love what Tua showed this weekend. As long as he can stay healthy, all of those options on that team are super fantasy relevant, and they're a super dangerous team. Their offense is amazing. I'm excited to see what their defense looks like once Jalen Ramsey gets back and healthy because they can be a true contender if uh, Tua can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and if the defense uh, stays this you know suspect, I think it might be great for Tua's fantasy value while uh, Ramsey is out because uh, they – You know, they look like they'll be able to give up some points on the other end, which will only help him uh, put up bigger numbers. Mac Jones, everybody's QB2 heading into the week. three sixteen and 3 with a pick, had 15 rushing yards as well. Uh, Had to throw 54 passes to get there, though. I don't think we're buying this one. Only 5.9 yards per attempt. Really volume-driven. They were coming back basically the entire game. Philly went up 16-0 basically right away in this one, and then their offense was really sluggish, so the Patriots basically just – Mac and Jones kind of dink, dinked and dunked his way to this three sixteen and three, uh, and on a week where a lot of quarterbacks did not look very good, that was easily good enough for QB two. Do you have any, you know, of a rosier outlook for Jones, or was this just kind of a one off?
1: No, this is definitely a one off. I don't know this for sure, but I'd imagine that's pretty close to his career high in pass attempts. And I think if the Patriots Gotta had be. any hope in winning. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten games this year. He, they need to cut that in half and really just play ball control with how good their defense and special teams can be. So, I'm not buying this whatsoever. Even in two QB leagues, I, I could see Mac Jones having, you know, 150 yards and one touchdown next week. I'm not buying it at all.
0: Yeah, you're right. Their defense did look very good. Again, I think the 16-0 start for Philly for sure. uh, was a little fluky. As far as the Patriots are concerned, I don't expect them to be losing by two scores, you know, five minutes into the game very often. Uh, Jordan Love, QB three again, (laughs) Mac Jones and Jordan Love are QBs two and three this week. I think that should tell you a lot about how this weekend went for a lot of people. Uh, 245 and three, 12 rushing yards. He looked pretty good. Uh, still limited pass volume though. And he played a really bad defense. I think this is more so, uh, you could have optimism in the Packers offense than, you know, you're running to the waiver wire to grab Jordan Love for your one QB league, but, uh, you know, encouraging start for him. He looked pretty good. I would not chase it for fantasy perspective, though. He's, he's a fine second quarterback in uh, two QB leagues.
1: Yeah, I definitely think he's someone to keep an eye on because he did look pretty good, but the Bears looked absolutely pitiful on both sides of the football. I'm sure we'll talk about multiple Bears in the Duds section of this uh, episode, so because of that, I'm not buying him completely, but definitely keep an eye on him. He He looked pretty good, and Honestly, the weapons in Green Bay for as much as Aaron Rodgers complained about them left and right. I mean, they were making some good plays on Sunday, and that's without Christian Watson. So I think the Packers got a little squad this year for sure. If Jordan Love can keep that up, they're going to be pretty good.
0: Yeah, if their offensive line can hold up as they did on Sunday, again, a really bad defense in Chicago. Most likely a a team that struggled to rush the passer last year and did again on Sunday. So uh, I don't want to take too much from it. The offense looked pretty good. Anthony Richardson, I think, may the biggest mover from the quarterback position as far as fantasy is concerned over the weekend. Uh, he didn't light up uh, the scoreboard as far as fantasy is concerned this week, but just really solid process here. I think he was actually the QB4 as well, again, speaking to the low scoring across the board here. But 223 and a touchdown and a pick through the air. 24 of 37, about 65% completion. You like to see that. That is a very solid number. Also, 10 rushes for 40 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, again, numbers were not eye-popping, but it was enough this week to be a top five quarterback and in the future, I think, if he's running that much and you know getting by in the passing game, he's going to be a really solid option. This was very encouraging.
1: 100 percent I'm. i think that i got him luckily late in a couple of drafts i'm super stoked about it um he looks he is what probably the, the san francisco 49ers were dreaming trail Lance would look like exactly
0: for as big as comment. he is
1: he is smooth as a mother effer man i could not believe some of the jukes he's able to make i love it he's he looks like a stud for sure we'll see yeah, if really the could- accuracy can stay up i think that's probably the biggest concern with him if that accuracy can stay above 60%, he's going to be very valuable in fantasy. I
0: was impressed with the – he just – he didn't have happy feet in the pocket. He was pretty calm. I mean, he didn't make the right decision every time. Uh, obviously, he threw the pick, took a couple sacks. But I think uh, he just showed poise and did not look overwhelmed in his NFL debut. A prospect we thought that was very raw came out and, you know, put put a, put a really good game together against the Jags. They gave them a run for their money. This was a close game right until the end. So, uh just messed up Cody's underplay on this right at the end as well. I think think that was a solid play most of the game. but Yeah, defensive uh, touchdowns
1: will do that to you. That's, that's yeah, exactly. Beat.
0: That That is always the the bane of an underbetter's existence. Uh, that was pretty much it for the QB studs. Again, not a lot to go around. A lot of other guys were kind of middling, but I don't think deserve the stud uh, label necessarily. So we're going to move on to running backs. Aaron Jones, uh, oh, actually, before we move on, Anthony Richardson did pick up a knee injury. Wanted to mention that. Uh, he looks like he's going to be fine. I think it was a diagnosis, a knee bruise officially, which can mean a lot of things. But anyway, uh, just keep an eye on it. If it's affecting his rushing at all, you know that will matter. So uh, just sure. make sure you check his practice participation this week. On the running backs, Aaron Jones, overall RB1, only needed 11 touches to get there, uh, 41 yards on the ground and a score, as well as two catches and 86 yards and another score through the air. He's really good at football. Again, the Bears are not good at defense. He looked way better than Dylan in this one, so I think uh, he will be the starter as long as he's healthy, but he picked up a hamstring injury as well. Keep an eye on it. He did not make a big deal of it at the end of the game uh, when asked about it, but something to monitor similar to Richardson, uh, this week, but I think you can be, you can, uh, you just be solidified that Jones is a solid starter. He's not going to lose his job to Dylan. He's just, he's a much better player,
1: much better player. I mean, 11 opportunities and to do that with them is pretty incredible. So yeah, he's, he's really good. I mean, if he were to miss any time, Dylan could fill in as probably a back end RB two, maybe with some little bit of upside, but he's definitely not providing this from Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is, One of those very underrated football players who is also very good.
0: Agreed. Guess how many yards A.J. Dillon had on 13 carries in this game.
1: I will tell you, I did not look it up before we got on here. I'm going to go somewhere in 32.
0: 19. 19 yards on 13 carries. (laughs) Yeah. So I think Aaron Jones can be uh, sleeping well at night, knowing he has the starting role in Green Bay pretty much locked up. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, surprise, surprise, he's really good. Really tough matchup on the road. Doesn't matter. 152 yards and a score on the ground. Uh, Yeah, he's good at football. Um, Travis Etienne, I was pretty encouraged with his involvement in the passing game. Scored a late touchdown. uh, About, I think it was 26 yards out. So that was nice to see as well. But I think the he got five targets, caught all of them. He was actually like they ran screens for him, which didn't do last year at all. I don't understand why they didn't do it, but. Uh, they worked. I mean, you only got 27 yards, but still, I just think that the involvement of the passing game was really encouraging. Tank Bigsby was the goal line guy, but, again, I think we kind of expected that. He got 23 touches, five through the air. You've got to be pretty encouraged if you have ETN.
1: Yeah, if you watch any kind of red zone or any part of this game, you I understand we might why have Tank have lost things.
0: Cody for a second there, so while I wait for him to load back in, oh, I'm going no, to move on to – Oh, no, he's back. Do you have anything okay. to add on ETN?
1: Yes, sorry. I I could hear you that entire time. My bad. Okay. Uh, Uh, tank Bigsby. I just wanted to point out. There's a reason why they used him at the goal line. If you were watching red zone, dude is a tank for sure. He is a, a big guy. He is going to be their goal line back as long as he stays healthy. I don't see him losing that role just based on how big he is. But yeah, if, if ETN's getting five targets a game, I will eat that up all day as a fantasy manager for sure. Um, and actually, Travis Etienne was the one who cost me my over because he could have slid and just ran the clock out, but he yes, wanted the yeah. stats. <laughs> yes, he did.
0: Um, yeah, so touchdowns might be hard to come by for Etienne this year, but if he's getting 23, or if he's getting around 20 touches a game and four or five of them are through the air, he's going to be just fine for fantasy. So, for sure. Um, yeah, good to see for Etienne. Tony Pollard looked great. Was the clear lead guy? 70 yards and two scores on the ground. Caught a couple passes. The offense did not need to do that much in this one. But Pollard looks like the main guy on a good team. You got to be happy about him. Austin Eckler. He's also good at football. This falls into the Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, realm of things here. About 150 total yards, four catches, had a score. Probably would have had an even bigger day if he did not also pick up a an injury, an ankle injury, limited in the second half. This is another one where it did not seem incredibly serious. His backup, Josh Kelly, I wanted to mention him here. Uh, We will actually go over him again when we get to the waiver wire segment, but he looked good as well, 90 yards and a score. I think he's probably only worth a pickup. If Eckler's out for any time, I'd call him more of a handcuff. Uh, But how do you feel about Josh Kelly, real quick?
1: Yeah, as someone who's an Eckler owner in our mini dynasty, I think if Eckler were to miss, you can plug him in pretty easily just based on the offense that he's in. So I I will definitely be looking at trying to get Josh Kelly this week just to – basically sure up that position in our league
0: yeah if you're an Eckler owner definitely prioritize it like you said it looks like it will be a relative one for one exchange there obviously you won't get the same amount of production but Kelly should assume the lead role which we might not have been certain of before this uh for this game Tyler Algier of course Arthur Smith of course he did this Uh, I don't think either one of us are surprised by it maybe by the, the volume but Uh, 75 yards and two scores on the ground. Algier ended up a top 10 running back, caught three balls for 19 yards as well. Uh, Again, I think this is just classic Arthur Smith. He's going to do his ground and pound thing and he's going to cycle in backs at least early on in the year. I think he'll have some flex value uh, early on, but Bijan looked incredible too. So I think you got to, if you want to start Algier, you got to do it now because I think there's going to be a point where Bijan takes over here. What do you think?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's always going to be a pretty solid handcuff just because if Bijan were to go down for anything, Algier does look very good. Uh, But as for just a standalone fantasy value, he could be played as a flex, but I'd even find it a little bit risky. Just if he doesn't get in the end zone, you're probably not upset with his production. But like next week, they're going to go, I believe, to Green Bay to play the Packers. Yeah. Or No, it's, it's in Atlanta. I'm sorry. It's at, still at home, but that's a much better rushing defense than they played against Carolina. I just, I wouldn't doubt it if their efficiency goes down a little bit and then you're kind of considering Tyler Algier an iffy flex option. So I'd probably wait to see what this offense looks like again, also against a better team in the Packers before I buy into Algier, but he did look really good. And I mean, Arthur Smith probably has wet dreams at night thinking about <laughs> the way his offense is Running these guys Sunday.
0: up the middle over and over. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, do, you have, do you have any concern for Bijan? He had 10 carries for 56 yards, caught all six of his targets for 27 yards and another score. an absolutely nasty, just beautiful cut on his touchdown. I think my favorite highlight of the whole weekend, if you have not yeah. seen it, please go look it up and just enjoy watching it on repeat. It's absolutely gorgeous. But uh, do you have any concerns about Bijan?
1: No similar to Jameer Gibbs I kind of see the usage going you know a little bit of a seesaw it's probably, probably going go the north. other way yeah. eventually as the season goes on. so I if you just that one play alone if you're a Bijan owner oh. like you, oh. you're satisfied with that you saw oh what he's goodness. capable of if he gets the workload he's he's a league winner as long as he's healthy incredible.
0: Yeah, he did. Uh, Algier slightly out touched Bijan, but Bijan out snapped him already. Uh, so this isn't even a Gibbs situation where you're waiting him for you're, where you're waiting for him to get on the field more. Bijan is the lead guy, yeah. just did not end up with the touches. Algier was kind of the guy at the end of the game that sort of salted it away. So I, I wouldn't be worried about Bijan at all in a closer game uh, against most teams that they're not going to be able to be you know up two scores against. I think Bijan will be playing. Kyron Williams. This is an interesting one. Uh, Definitely off the board a bit here. 52 yards and two scores on the ground was good enough for a top 10 RV performance, 15 carries. Uh, We'll talk more about him in the waiver wire segment so we don't have to have an extended conversation here, but just uh, what did you think about him and uh, this probably the most off the board week, the one performance that we saw uh, from the running back position?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is pretty incredible, just considering everyone was calling for his breakout all year last year. And then basically all draft season, it was just absolutely nothing about Kyron Williams. And then he comes out here and does this. Um, I don't really have too much to say about that. We'll talk a little bit more about where we want to pick him up and how much fab we think he's worth when we get to the waiver wire segment. But I will say, if you want a little laugh. Go back and listen to our betting segment that was released on Saturday, and listen to everything I say about the Rams and the Seahawks game. But just flip the team names in my description, and yeah. I freaking nailed it, baby! But yes, yes, I just was did. on the the exact opposite of what I thought was going to happen.
0: No, but the Cody, under hit on the exact number yeah, you part. were you were not alone there. But yeah, you uh, you nailed the underpick regardless. So good job. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think many people saw the Rams going in and dominating <laughs> Seattle quite the way that they did. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about more about Kyron Williams when we do the Wave Wire segment later on, so we'll save our extended thoughts for that. Last stud of the day. Just had to type this one into the dock right as we were loading up. That's Brees Hall. Not a huge day from a fantasy perspective. Did pretty well, but more just the eye test. Uh, passed with flying colors. Brees Hall, 10 carries, 127 yards. Caught one of two targets for 20 more yards. He looks exactly like his, his pre-injury self. Might just be one of those guys that uh, is too good of an athlete to keep down. Uh, I was incredibly impressed with uh, how he looks, and uh, I think you have yourself a steal if you drafted him in round four or five.
1: Yep, I think he's going to be a guy that I'm going to regret not drafting him more Me leagues, too. just being Me scared too, of his injury. Um, but, yeah, I would say the only thing that, it, that looked like hampered him is I think he maybe scores a touchdown on that breakaway run before the injury. Yeah. He may not be fully back with the knee yet to get that same separation. I think we
0: might have dropped out, or Cody might have dropped out for a second here again, but I agree with him. I think Brees Hall probably scores on that 83-yard carry if he's fully healthy, but uh, he looked... Cody? Alrighty. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the wide receivers here. That was our last running back stud of the day that we had. So, um, we're going to start out with Tyree kill. He was the big beneficiary of Tua's huge day, 11 catches, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he's Tyree kill. He looked absolutely insane. Um, I'm sure he won a lot of people weeks because there was not a lot of scoring going on this week and he did a lot of it on his own. So uh, Waddle did not have a huge day, uh, but again, I think these guys are going to go back and forth a little bit. Still four for 78 on Waddle's end, he looked fine. I'm not really worried about him. Uh, yeah, Tyreek Hill is very good at football. Brandon Iuke, I uh, was hoping to get Cody's opinions on this one because I'm a little biased, being a bit of a 49er hater myself. He looks really good. I played against him in a couple leagues, of course. Uh, eight for eight on targets, 129 yards and two scores uh, against a Pittsburgh defense that was supposed to be one of the better ones in the NFL coming into this year. Uh, I personally think this is going to be an offense that, again, has its moments for each of its playmakers. You'll have your Brandon Ayuk, your Kittle game, and you'll have your Debo and Christian McCaffrey game. Today was an Ayuk and McCaffrey game. Uh, I don't think I'm necessarily upgrading him a ton moving forward. Cody, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I can. That is that was the weirdest thing ever. It basically on my screen was showing that you cut out. So, I wonder how that audio is going to play back, but
0: Interesting. We will
1: yeah. we will get it figured out on the back end. If you suffered through about 30 seconds of odd <laughs> audio, I apologize. We will Yeah, I'm hoping, will hopefully clear that up.
0: I, you know, I saw uh, everything was all good on my end, so I'm hoping my audio kept through, the the the, the, the timer kept ticking and nothing lagged out. So, I, I just continued on. I started with Tyreek Hill. Uh, just kind of went through how he's really good yeah. at football. Again, no one's surprised by that. Brandon Ayuk, uh, I was getting ready to say I am not changing my opinion on him that much. You know, he's he's pretty good. I just think that this offense is going to fluctuate from player to player each week. And, uh, I you know, I think that's kind of how we thought about San Francisco coming in. Are you a little more bullish on
1: them than I am? Um, I think I'm a little bit more bullish on the offense in total just because Purdy looked pretty good for the passing game. So... I think, like like you said, like I'm not going crazy and you know saying IU is going to finish as a top five wide receiver on the season now, but I just think that maybe he could have a little bit of a safer floor if they are you know utilizing the downfield passing game a little bit more like they were in this game. Um, we'll obviously see how that continues from week to week, but you know, I mean, next week could be you know Debog is is eight for eight for 120 and two touchdowns, and you know IU is there for four catches for 20 yards, so. It is what you're going to get out of the San Francisco offense. I think, honestly, I think this is probably a good thing for IU because he just kind of showed that he can be that kind of a beast. So if you're someone who drafted him in sixth, seventh round, you have that potential in your flex spot, hopefully, or maybe your second or third wide receiver. So that is really good for you. But overall, he's going to be a boom bust as the season goes. You just got a good week this week from him. Uh, Anything else on Brandon Ayuk?
0: Uh, no, I think we're good there. You want to go ahead and take over with Jacoby Myers. Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
1: So Jacoby, uh, he went nine for 10, 81 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, pretty simple. Being close to the line of scrimmage is a recipe for success. When you are, when you have Jimmy G as your quarterback, that was pretty evident. It was basically just one progression, two progression down. Where's Jacoby Myers, like for two straight possessions. And he definitely made up for it uh, in my guillotine league where the lowest score gets cut every week. I was kind of on the border after Thursday night football and uh, Jacoby Myers just willed my team across the finish line. So appreciate that. Nice. Took a big hit. But I think that I mean, I would imagine he's probably going to be on some waiver wires. I mean, he probably got picked in some, with some people's last pick in their draft just based on his ADP. Um, definitely someone I'm going to target just because I think that he can sustain fantasy success as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback there. Um, and I would say probably only in PPR and half PPR leagues. Yeah. In non-PPR, I could see him having a floor of absolutely zero or you know two or three. So I'd probably avoid him there. Anything else on Jacoby?
0: I, yeah, I wouldn't expect any more multi-touchdown games. I also think you have to consider that uh, Devontae Adams was seeing a lot of Pat Sertan in this one. Uh, Devonte Adams was still fine. I think he had six catches for about 65 yards on nine targets, but I would expect him to be the clear one moving forward when he's not matched up against an elite cornerback, but you're right. Uh, I think we were, we were expecting a slot guy in this Raiders offense to matter. It uh, seems like it's just going to be Jacoby Myers instead of Hunter Renfro. He got 10 targets. Uh, I don't think Hunter Renfro got more than one or two, so uh, this would be a nice buy low opportunity for Myers if he is injured for a week or two because he might not cost you a ton on fab, but, could be someone that's useful down the line.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, one game we can kind of go through pretty quickly here, Kendrick Bourne. Bourne six ta- six catches on 11 targets, 64 yards, two touchdowns. Again, same thing with Mac Jones. It's an outlier performance. Don't chase it. Mac Jones is not going to have 54 attempts in a game if Bill Belichick has anything to do with it the rest of the season. And the two touchdowns are an outlier as well. I Do you even want to add anything more, or should I move on to the next guy?
0: No, I completely agree. I, I'm not chasing cool. this this uh, performance from Kendrick Porn at all. 100%.
1: Next guy up, Calvin Ridley. Eight catches on 11 targets, 101 yards, and a touchdown. I think he looked really good. I think he looked like the clear number one here. I think, again, uh, as we'll note in the dud section, my biggest concern for this offense in general is, say Jones looked to be more involved than Christian Kirk. Um, so we don't really have to touch on it. We'll kind of touch on the ancillary pieces when we go through the duds. Anything else about Calvin Ridley?
0: Yeah, he looked fantastic. He looks like he's the clear one. He was targeted on a lot of the first reads for Trevor Lawrence throughout the day. Uh, I think if this game had been uh, a little more back and forth, it was just kind of a weird game in the second half with some defensive scores like you alluded to. I think he could have had an even bigger day. I think you might have yourself a bona fide top 10 wide receiver on your hands here. Congratulations if you picked him. He looked Really, really good. That was we were just wondering how he was gonna look after two years of not playing football. I wouldn't worry about that part of it at all.
1: Yeah, it seems like wide receiver might be the the one position you could take time off of and yeah. come back and look just as good. That was pretty incredible. Yep. Um last guy we'll have a little bit of a discussion here. Michael Pittman Jr. also kind of tailing off of Anthony Richardson. He had eight catches on eleven targets, ninety-seven yards and a touchdown. Again, if Richardson's gonna look good and complete sixty-five percent of his passes, I think Michael Pittman is a fine fantasy option. It's just going to be a little bit boom or bust, in my opinion. I don't know if it's gonna be completely sustainable. Nick, I'm gonna pass it to you. Do you think that, you know, this is gonna sustain for Pittman, or do you think he can maybe be an early season trade away candidate to someone who maybe buys his upside?
0: I might be buying him if you're trading him away. I, uh, I, I'm okay. not saying I'm going crazy on him, but for what you paid for him, you know, ninth or tenth round draft price, wide receiver, what thirty five to forty range yep. during draft Absolutely. season, I think he's probably closer to a top twenty four wide receiver right now. If I was re ranking, I was just really impressed with what I saw from Richardson, uh, and it looks like he's going to be the clear guy in this offense. I don't think you can expect maybe a ton of touchdowns again through the air because of uh, Richardson's limitations throwing the ball, but. If he's going to be the lead guy through the air, and Richardson's going to have a, you know, an NFL passing offense, and it's not going to be something just that's a struggle each week, I think Pittman can uh, really benefit from that, and especially what you paid for him. Again, don't expect him to turn into a top ten wide receiver. I think you're just looking at a potentially solid wide receiver too, especially in half and full VBR.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good call. I, I want to see it again. I want to see Richardson look yeah. that good back-to-back weeks. But, yeah, you're right. If you got Pittman Jr. in the ninth, 10th round, you are just smiling from ear to ear right now. Uh, a couple names you don't have to go too far or we'll talk about later. Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Stephon Diggs. They're all really good at football. Yep. And then Puka Nakua, Romeo Dobbs, and Rashid Shahid. Uh, so Dobbs is probably rostered, but Nakua and Shahid may be highlighted later in the episode. Any comments on any of those six wide receivers?
0: I think I'm going to save Nakua for our waiver wire discussion because he is kind of the star of the show there. He looked really, really good in his first game, got 15 targets. Hard not to be impressed by that. Shahid, I think, is probably going to be in a void for us. I haven't seen your notes on him, but I find it hard to believe we're going to roster three pass catchers in that New Orleans offense. And then Dobbs. Uh, like you said, I think uh, probably already rostered looked impressive, but you know caught two touchdowns, only four for twenty six. Uh, the touchdowns really carried him. I think he's probably going to be a fine you know wide receiver three flex type, but you don't you didn't even have Christian Watson in this game, so I, I just don't want to take too much run for him.
1: All right, fair enough. Let's sling over to tight ends real quick. I think this is going to be the quickest segment we have here. I'm just going to list off these guys: uh, Hunter Henry and Hayden Hurst. Congrats. You are the only two guys who got above 10 points and half PPR scoring. The next three are Donald Parham, Blake Bell, and Harrison Bryant. So I think that's five straight players who got started in a combined 10% or less league. So if you started any of those guys, congrats. You had the best tight end. It probably still didn't make that big of a difference in your fantasy week. Uh, shout out to TJ Hawkinson for just being the first name I recognized as a startable tight end as I'm going down the list. Um, I think Evan Ingram was number seven. So just a bad week overall for tight ends. Really not much to say. Do you have anything to say about any of these tight ends? Are you interested in Henry or Hearst or any of these guys?
0: No, I think Henry, you probably give the same analysis uh, that we gave for Bourne. Not going to see that many uh, targets again, most likely, because this offense is not going to be nearly that pass-heavy. I think Hayden Hurst is interesting because we talked about him last week. Could be potentially the number one target getter on this Panthers offense if Bryce Young is going to kind of just be running for his life as much as he was on Sunday. So (laughs) could be an interesting streamer. Nothing much more than that, though. Uh yeah, just absolutely incredible stuff. Pat Fryermuth was tight end nine. He caught one pass for three yards. It was a touchdown, but just it's it's incredible how bad tight end is, man. It's it's almost like kicker these days. It's basically just you're you're praying for a touchdown if you don't have Kelsey and if if you don't get it, you're gonna be disappointed.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I am almost surprised that just this touchdown alone didn't get him up into the top five <laughs> when we're yeah, just looking at the real. scoring. It was It was pretty bad, but that's what you come to expect with the tight end position. Nick, I will toss it over to you. Let's get into the duds. I'm going to do the drop, but prepare for it to be extremely short like the other one. (laughs) Who's the reason he lost? Oh. Okay. Okay. It right. didn't come across the same as it was anything either. Okay, hey, I these out a little more. I
0: like that little riff you had at the beginning, though. I know. Let me nice. let me hit
1: it again because I, I think it may have lagged a little bit. Who yeah, was the scenes. reason you lost? Oh, there we go. It sounded a lot better that time. Mm, yeah, yeah okay. I just need to. It needs to extend maybe an extra
0: three Once seconds. Once the back, smooth like transition comes out there, that'll be that'll be a nice. I like that little ooh, that little guitar on the start. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. Um. Anyway. Kicking off the dud section, moments after signing his uh, contract that made him the highest-paid player in NFL history, Joe Burrow goes out and goes for 82 passing yards, 14 of 31 on the day, no interceptions. I don't really know how that happens, but uh, that was really, really rough. I don't think I'm panicking just yet. This happened... uh, Last year actually he looked really bad in game one after missing all the preseason with uh you know, I think it was appendicitis last year. This year it was the calf injury, so I'm sure Burrow will be fine once he gets the rust off, but damn, that was that was ugly.
1: That was horrible. Yeah, I I don't really have much to say about that. We'll probably hit on some other bangles as we go through this studs list, but yes, we will. I'm not panicking too much. If you drafted him, you're playing him next week. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, you're going to notice a lot more quarterbacks that people actually drafted and started on this list as opposed to the studs list from uh, previous. <laughs> so we love to see that as fantasy analysts. But Lamar Jackson, uh, this one's kind of a tough luck dud. Uh, as you, this is, There's going to be a couple guys that kind of fit that bill as we move on here, but 17 of 22, 169 in a pick, uh, six rushes, 38 yards, lost a fumble. Didn't play horribly. The, the interception he threw was really, really bad, but I think overall... He was okay. He was getting pressured pretty often. I'm a little concerned about this offense. The old line is just not as good as it has been in previous years for the Ravens. That's kind of been a staple of theirs as far as a strength on the team. Did not look that way on Sunday against a Houston team that does not project to be one of the best defenses in the league. So uh, how did you feel about Lamar's performance?
1: I kinda of just left it feeling a little iffy just because I know it's against the Texans and really down the stretch there wasn't anything for him to really add to his yeah. stats with. So it is kind of is it is what it is. You know, the Texans were quarterbacks were terrible against them last year just due to their lack of defense and, you know, being susceptible to the run, which JK Dobbins was taking advantage of while he was in there. I, I'm not going to overreact to this by any means, but I, I do just want to add Lamar Jackson has one of the ugliest passes in his repertoire. It's like off his back foot and he just kind of yeah. lobs one up in the air and oh. it's the most interceptable ball I think I've ever seen. And just anytime it goes through your thought process to do that, either just hit the ground or just throw it out of bounds. Like there's nothing as good as going to come out of that little, just lobbed up in the air throw. And he does it almost too consistently.
0: Yeah, he has one or two of them a game for sure. It's just you know you gotta hope it gets either tipped and doesn't get caught, or he throws it out of bounds or something. But yeah, the, the interception was exactly that play. He was you know just really late on the the crosser and underthrew his guy pretty badly. But yeah, all three rushing touchdowns in close did not go to Jackson. Uh, he just you didn't have the TV luck in this one. And like you said, he didn't have to do a ton in the second half as they were leading pretty uh, you know pretty much by two scores the entire way. So. Hopefully when he gets into a little bit more of a track meet, we'll see this offense kind of be opened up a bit. Dak Prescott, similar situation for him, 143 yards, 13 of 24. His team won 40 to nothing. Two first-half defensive touchdowns will always kind of kill your production as a fantasy quarterback. They also ran into uh, two close scores with Tony Pollard, so not too concerned with Dak, just kind of a a bad break for his fantasy owners.
1: Yeah, I, it is what it is. If the defense is going to score twice and Pollard's going to have a game, this is probably what Dak's stat line is going to look like. But I, again, another guy, I'm just not worried about it. It's just, it is what it is.
0: And then I'm going to skip over this next guy because I think uh, we're going to talk about yeah. him a little bit more. Jalen Hurts, another one similar to Dak Prescott. Uh, maybe not so much the the same game scripts because this was actually a close game towards the end, but... Hurts, 170 yards and a score through the air, 37 yards on the ground, lost a fumble, Looked a little rusty, definitely. Did not play in the preseason. I think uh, their coach, Nick Sirianni, came out after the game and kind of uh, lamented not playing his starters in the preseason at all. Definitely showed in this one. I'm not terribly concerned. They all came out healthy, and uh, Hurts will be better moving forward. Just uh, a tough start against a pretty good defense on the road with, I think, some bad weather as well. So I'm, I'm not too worried about this one.
1: Yeah, it's it looks it's the trend of not playing your starters is definitely hurting the first week of of the yes. NFL season. Yes, cause it it's basically all of them getting their first live reps. So that is it's probably going to be that way going forward. Maybe that's something you can kind of factor into um, as we move forward, you know, in the fantasy analysis. But it's just going to be what it is, unfortunately.
0: And then last one, Josh Allen, or last one before we get to the guy that I think is worth somewhat of a conversation. Josh Allen, another, he had a tough game against the Jets on the road, four turnovers, had a touchdown, uh, brought them back late in the game into field goal range to tie it up and send it to OT, but then kind of a rough possession in overtime as well. So, uh, again, I think another guy that had a tough start in a rainy ball game on the road against a good defense. I'm not worried about his fantasy prospects moving forward, but uh, for the from an NFL perspective, I'd be a little bit more worried about him as a Bills fan than necessarily as a fantasy sealer
1: Yeah, really rough look, but again, week one, I don't know if Josh Allen played in the preseason. If he did, I know it's not going to be very much at all, so... Probably just a shaky week one, similar to Jalen Hurts. If you drafted him super early, you're not panicking at all. Yeah, you're fine. You're know, you fine. He's probably going to be amazing Mm -hmm. next week, and you're going to be super ecstatic that you drafted him.
0: Geno Smith, a giant quarterback dud, probably the biggest dud of the week just from a team uh, fantasy and NFL perspective overall. 16 of 26, only 112 yards through the air, did have a touchdown that sort of saved his day, six rushing yards. Uh, Cody, I guess I'm willing to give him a mulligan here. This was supposed to be an easy matchup at home. Divisional matchups are never quite as easy as they look on paper, but, uh, he has a shorter leash than most established fantasy quarterbacks. This was a really ugly game. I think, uh, like you said, like I said, you give him a mulligan here, but you need to see something within the first couple of weeks. Otherwise we might be looking at a one year wonder here potentially.
1: Yeah, so I would say one of our you know favorite things that we would do during the preseason, we were talking about drafting quarterbacks. Was if you go Anthony Richardson, go and get yourself a guy like Geno Smith. So going yeah. into next week, Anthony Richardson has the matchup matchup of your dream against the Texans, of course, oh, and the Seahawks play against the, the Lions defense. Man. What are you, how are you feeling about next week? You know, are you willing to make the pivot already or is it a full mulligan T Gino back up and see what he can do?
0: I think, I think I need to sleep on it, but I think I would still go with Gino Smith just because that game last year was such a track meet and I could see it just going the same way again. Um, yeah, you know, the lions are going to put up points. It's going to be in a dome. I think Gino's going to have to throw the ball with some good pass catchers. I, uh, I like that game script quite a bit and I'd be willing to give him one more shot, but yeah, I it's close. I wouldn't blame you if you went Richardson.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do think that the the difference maker for me with Gino is he has playmakers all around him, you know, two, two good running backs, three good wide receivers. Their tight ends aren't spectacular, but they're pass catchers. So he has weapons all around him. I'm fine with giving him another opportunity uh, but like you said, definitely a short leash. If he looks like that again, he is probably not getting put back into my lineup until you get multiple good weeks from Geno Smith.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the running back duds of the week. There were quite a few, but I picked out the most fantasy relevant ones uh, that I am concerned about. Najee Harris, six carries for 31 yards. Doesn't sound too bad, uh, but two, car- two catches for two, uh, two yards on two targets. Game script did not go his way, uh, but to only get eight touches in a full game like this is pretty concerning. I did not know that this touch floor existed for him. Uh, I think you got to just throw this one out if you're the Steelers and hope that they look better next week. But, man, this was a about as rough of a start as you could possibly imagine for this Pittsburgh team that had a lot of optimism coming into the year.
1: Yeah, to, uh, to my buddy Jacob, who started Najee Harris over Raheem Mostert, I told you to make the change. I know (laughs) Mostert didn't have a great game, but it wasn't this bad. It was better than this, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I um, I spent my Saturday night watching some – me and Victoria started suits, and I was in some Facebook groups talking up some fantasy football chats. A lot of people were contemplating Najee or Jamal Williams or Najee and or Raheem Mostert, and I was telling everyone to fade Najee this week. So this one's a pretty big win for me, but – I didn't see his touches being, you know, at eight. I imagined him, you know, was getting fifteen, sixteen carries and just being extremely inefficient with it. So um, it definitely concerns me. If you spend a high pick on him, you've got to be, you know, worried about it. But I think he's another guy I'm probably teeing up next week to see if he, you know, does well in a different matchup. The forty ers are really good and the Steelers were out of this one pretty early, but I'm very concerned if I drafted him.
0: Yeah. Definitely hoping for better results next week against the Cleveland defense that also looked pretty damn good on Sunday. So uh, maybe a rough stretch ahead for Najee. DeAndre Swift, Cody, holy crap. I know we were fading him all draft process. I feel really good about that now, but even I did not imagine this outcome. (laughs) One carry for three yards, one catch for zero yards on two targets. Uh, He was... (laughs) Barely even a backup. Uh, I think he is the third running back out of the gate as far as touches are concerned. Absolute worst case scenario if you're a Swift owner. Uh, are you dropping him or are you holding on for another week? I know we were low on him, so it's there might be a so little biased, he... but I don't know. I don't... I don't even see a reason to hold on to him, honestly.
1: I did not watch this game. I ended up watching the Bears-Packers game because I had a little friendly wager on that one. Uh, I know Rashad Penny was a healthy scratch. So did Boston Scott run as the backup for the Eagles? Is that I, right? I think
0: Gainwell basically just got all of the touches in this one. Okay. Um, okay. So they they didn't they didn't have the ball a ton either. Well, they they were actually pretty even on time of possession, but they they just didn't run a ton of plays. Gainwell got 14 carries. Scott got one, and Swift got one. And then Hurts okay. ran it nine times. So they gotcha. uh, they just didn't have a – you know, they didn't really get into a rhythm as an offense. But, yeah, Swift and Scott were basically afterthoughts.
1: Yeah, well, we are about to hit the waiver wire segment in a couple of minutes, and there's going to be plenty of guys on that list I would happily go ahead and drop him for. Yep. Um, just personally, I cannot trust him. I mean, we're going on his second NFL team who just traded for him this offseason who does not want to give him the football similar to what the Lions did last year. So – Whatever it is with DeAndre Swift, whether it stems from the injury he had a couple years ago or not, he is just not a dependable running back both in the NFL or fantasy. So you can go ahead and drop him. Go get yourself a different guy and kind of reset. I, I don't want to call it a completely wasted draft pick, but after week one, I'm I'm good just moving off of him.
0: Yeah, I
1: see him too. very similar to this next guy we're going to talk about. They're both in committees, and they both had the least amount of work out of that committee, so I, I don't love it.
0: Jarek McKinnon from your Kansas City Chiefs did not receive a carry. Only got two targets, caught one for 10 yards. Just too many mouths in KC, even without Kelsey. I think you can go ahead and drop him. You need that running back room to get thinned out a little bit in KC like it did towards the end of last year for McKinnon to become relevant. Apologize for us recommending him. Really didn't work out, but uh, yeah, I think he's basically just going to be a waiver wire pickup once or if uh, one of these KC guys gets hurt ahead of him.
1: Yeah, and don't – I also just want to reiterate this. This is not a drop him and go pick up a different Chiefs running back. Don't go get Clyde no. Edwards a layer or nope. anything like that. Both him and McKinnon are going to be extremely uh, interchangeable. I would say Pacheco is the only guy you would even consider rostering, and that is very, very risky to play him on a weekly basis. So, yep. really, all Chiefs options outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, you can kind of – maybe not drop Pacheco, but you can consider – you can consider moving off of him in a trade if if that's going to send it over the edge for sure. I don't see him having immense fantasy value.
0: Damian Pierce, eleven carries for thirty eight yards, caught two targets. Uh, excuse me, caught two balls out of three targets for nine yards. Really disappointing outing. I don't think we're too surprised by that. We told you to lower your expectations with him. This was a tough uh, run defense on the road in a game where the spread was heavily favoring the other side. So that's not normally a good situation for uh, primarily running down backs. But I think we were hoping for a little more passing work from Pierce this year. And uh, I'm just hoping that they involve him a little bit more moving forward. He had a really similar game to start out last year, actually. Uh, Was only involved in about half the snaps and then kind of took over after that. But uh, it was a little concerning to see him have such a low snap share. I I just think this, this offense does not have a ton of elite offensive pieces, they'll, they'll get him more
1: involved. 100% agree. I think out of most of the guys, all the guys on this list, really, he's the one I'm least concerned with. So if you if you have Pierce, I wouldn't sweat it too much. I'd, I'd keep plugging him in unless we continue to see, you know, his workload this slow.
0: Yeah, uh, nothing from an eye test perspective says that you know he played a bad game. This was just a tough situation. Rashad White, this is, um, again, I am a little bit biased here because I have my opinions coming into the year on him, but 17 carries, 39 yards, caught two targets for 10 yards. I think you were hoping for some more passing work here. He's the clear lead back for now, but once again was super inefficient against a rush defense that does not project to be very good. I think you. I, I told you to pick up Sean Tucker before Week One. I would echo that sentiment even stronger now. I think there's a very good chance he is in a committee uh, by Week Three or Four, and Sean Tucker has a chance to just take over because White it, it just it has not been very good so far in his career. He missed a lot of holes on Sunday. Heard uh, heard a podcast with a guy kind of going over just some film review on Rashad White. Really doesn't like what he's seen from him. So, uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I I luckily did not draft him in any of my leagues. I was not very high on in the, nope. on him in the draft process, and this is exactly why he's extremely inefficient as a running back. And there's Tom Brady's not there anymore to check him down eight passes a game and, and keep his fantasy valuable re, fantasy value relevant. I, I'd imagine he's. I mean, if they find someone who can average three yards a rush, it's going to be almost double what it seems like Rashad White's getting half the time. So if it's Sean Tucker, if it's someone else they pick up, I, I don't see Rashad White finishing the season as the lead back in Tampa. That's definitely one, as as the season progresses, I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, it's maybe make a trade if someone already picked up Sean Tucker or make a pickup if, if he's still out there. But, yeah, Rashad White's no good. He's just He's not a good NFL running back in my opinion.
0: Yeah, has not quite developed yet in his second year in the league. You'd hope to see a little more from him, at least flashes of uh, something to you know build off of, but just hasn't quite been there. You want to lead off wide receiver duds for me?
1: Yeah, let's go through these wide receivers. We'll start with a good old T Higgins
0: again, stemming off
1: of that bad Joe Pearl for performance. Uh, It was tough weather conditions in Sensi. I want to lead off with that. He had zero catches on eight targets. (laughs) I tried to look up a video to see if there was somewhere you could get just all of the T. Higgins targets condensed down in one video. Couldn't find it, but if I had to guess just from watching that game, i bet half those balls weren't catchable. Burrow looked really rough. The ball was slipping out of his hand on multiple throws, so... You know, I, I'm not letting this one eat me up too bad. If T. Higgins' owner is down on him and maybe you can play this, plus he didn't get the contract to make a move for him, I would do it. You know, Jamar Jamar Chase didn't have that great of a performance as well. It all just stems from Burrow not looking very good.
0: Yeah, not terribly concerned with Higgins yet. I uh, I don't think he can draw too many conclusions for this one. Still got eight targets, even though he didn't catch any of them. It's <laughs> That was kind of ridiculous, but uh, not terribly worried.
1: Absolutely. I think the worst situation of the weekend is Drake London. He had zero catches on one target. Again, worse than the Higgins Higgins situation. This team will not be pushing the ball downfield if their head coach has anything to say about it. He's going to be extremely boom bust. I think that there is going to be almost double the amount of bust weeks as boom weeks. Uh, Might be an overreaction to week one for me, but I think that's kind of where I am. I'm claiming my stake. I think Drake London is probably the biggest bust in fantasy drafts. As long as Desmond Ritter is the quarterback claiming and Arthur his Smith stake is the head coach,
0: instead of staking his claim, I like it. I think we can make that a thing on the podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, one target. I mean, one target, Cody. That is just that's not good enough. I I don't understand Atlanta's whole thought process when building their offense. I don't understand. Picking two pass catchers that project to be really good downfield options in the top 10 two straight years, and then deciding to build an offense that completely does not utilize their skill set. But uh, I don't trust Arthur Smith to change the way he has called plays. It's been pretty much the same uh, going back through the start of last year. So until he completely overhauls the way he calls plays on offense, I am not going to have any faith in London or Pitts moving forward. Pitts. I think you can have a little more faith in just because the tight end position is so crappy. Uh, but London, yeah, it's uh, you, I, I don't think you can drop him. But, man, that was that was about as bad as it could have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you get m- multiple weeks like this, um, I think he's a, a roster bomb. Go go, drop him and see who someone's willing to drop to just, play Drake London. I
0: understand that. Maybe not after week
1: one. Maybe yeah, you know, you I need a couple wait. more weeks of that. But if it does, just do it and see who maybe gets dropped to the waiver wire for Drake London yeah. because I'd imagine yeah. there's going to be a team out there that's going to buy into the the second year breakout Falcon type and I, I'm mm-hmm. not here for it anymore, especially with
0: it's, Arthur Smith. I don't really blame you. That was a really rough rough start.
1: Yep. All right, Christian Kirk in the Jaguars game, he had one catch on 3 targets for 9 yards. Um, I want to actually lead this off and then I'll throw it over to you. There was an article that came out during the preseason that said basically Christian Kirk was only going to be on the field for a certain, you know, designs and certain plays. That article seems pretty correct. After week one, he was not out there enough to really be fantasy relevant. Um, This is your own question, but I don't have a good answer. So I'm going to kick it to you. Would you take Christian Kirk or Zay Jones for the rest of the season?
0: Uh, it's it's a lot closer than I would like it to be being a Christian Kirk owner uh, in uh, several leagues, but I'm going to stick with Kirk. Uh, I do understand the snap concerns and they are real. Uh, basically he's not playing in two wide receiver sets. So when it's only two wide receivers, it's going to be Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley. Obviously not being on the field will make it tougher for Kirk to get catches and get targets, but he is the clear slot guy. I think in a game that, Trevor Lawrence has to open it up a little bit more, you might see a little more involvement for Kirk, and especially if they're trying to come back in a game like this week against the Chiefs potentially, I think Kirk could be a really good play. So um, I'm not ready to bail on him yet. It was definitely concerning. And if this Jags team turns out to be you know a really good unit that is kind of taking leads early in games and doesn't need to use their three wide receiver sets as often, it could be a problem for him. But I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. Definitely concerning, but um, I'm holding for now.
1: 100% agree with you. You know, at least there were a couple targets and at least, you know, he has a passing game that, you know, there's going to be weeks where he he can absolutely light it up. You know, this isn't a Drake London situation where their passing game is inept. So, if you drafted him, stick with him. I think that, you know, there's going to be more positive weeks to come. I don't think he's getting phased out of this offense. Let's move over to Tyler Lockett. I added him in here. I guess I did not see the concussion when it happened. He had two catches on four targets for 10 yards. Uh, again, Geno Smith had a really bad day, led to just lackluster performances all around. DK touchdown really just saved his week in general. Um, I guess this question doesn't really sting as much because I don't know when Lockett left the game, but JSN did out-target him. I'd imagine maybe those targets came after Lockett left. Any concern with JSN being there? Are you good just to fire Lockett back up if he plays next week?
0: Hey, Lockett did play 88% of the snaps, so basically okay. played the entire game. Um you know, so if he got hurt, I, I don't know when the concussion or the head injury happened, but it was probably really late in the action. Uh, maybe he, you know, kind of started showing symptoms afterwards. I'm not positive, but um, I'm not terribly concerned. This is just what Lockett does. Uh, the, again, Geno Smith had, what, 116 yards. There was not a lot to go yeah. around. Uh, DK caught the touchdown, so everyone else was always going to have a tough time producing with that amount of production. Uh, again, Lockett's very boom or bust, has been this way this whole career. I think next week if he comes out and has 100 yards and a score, I I won't be surprised.
1: Absolutely. Maybe another guy who can have 100 yards and a score, DJ Moore, went two catches on two targets for 25 yards. No truer welcome to a team than just getting absolutely dominated by the same team that has owned the Bears for years and years. Um, My only comment on this to the Bears organization is, I know you got a pick back and other stuff back, but essentially you traded the first overall pick to go out here and make this guy your number one wide receiver. I know you got an offensive lineman at number nine, uh, but just atrocious in my opinion to only give him two opportunities. The offense looked entirely inept in general. I just, I'm just i hoping this is a throwaway game for the Bears and they just look better next week, but I just the, the offensive system is probably what's going to kill the Bears this year if they do not improve because that was just pitiful.
0: Yeah, I did not like the way uh, they were play calling uh, very much at all. DJ Moore was shadowed by Jair Alexander in this one, so that probably had a lot to do with his really low target number. But, yeah, I don't like the way that they were structuring things. Fields is a pretty good downfield thrower, especially when he's uh, you know able to, to escape the pocket. But they were basically just running a ton of screens and quick throws that were you know, the backers are just kind of just sitting on them because the fields did not have a ton of time in the pocket, and basically they were able to press up on the wide receivers and just uh, collapse on these screens over and over. So I think they have to, you know, they have to show the deep ball to scare teams off of the line, and then maybe these screens will start working. But, um, yeah, tough day for DJ Moore. Definitely, a, I think Jair Alexander is going to be a really tough matchup for number one wide receivers this year in general. So I'm not panicking yet on DJ Moore, but uh, not a good start, like you said.
1: Yeah, so that's two guys I want to actually comment. Sertan and Jair Alexander, both guys that have caused yes. number one guys to have rough weeks. So maybe keep that in mind when you're looking at your week. And those two guys matchups. shadow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. So actually, I do want to point out since you said that, Sauce Gardner tonight was not shadowing Stefan Diggs. He basically plays the same side of the field. So they were yes. able to just move Stefan Diggs around and get him open late in that game. So. Just were, a little cornerback knowledge for you guys. Yeah,
0: that's that's a good point. DJ Reed's a really good corner too. He's on the other side uh, for the Jets. Yep. That's kind of why they just they just play their they play their sides, gotcha. and that's just how their defense works. But yeah, elite wide receivers are always going to be able to exploit matchups unless, again, they are playing the best of the best. So uh, Diggs was able to to get his, but uh, worth noting. Yeah, good point.
1: Yep, and this guy I'll breeze through before we touch on tight ends. Van Jefferson, four catches on five opportunities, twenty four yards. I want to say that it was a good call by us. He was the waiver wire darling after the Cup News disappointed, and I don't think either of us were super high on what he could be, and especially when we get into this waiver wire segment, the other Rams options just completely outshined him in this
0: one. Yeah, see ya. No, the content of
1: the waiver wire. No reason. One hundred percent. Let's breeze through tight ends so we can get through the rest of the show rather quickly here. Uh, Dallas Goddard zero catches on one opportunity. If you drafted him, you're sticking with him. Tough week overall for their offense. Not really caring too much about that one. These other two guys, I think, are a little bit more concerning. You got Isaiah likely one catch on one or one catch on one target for four yards. I think the shines off of him a little bit. I'm not going to be very likely to go back to him after this performance. Nice. Uh, Thank you. I know I wanted to throw it <laughs> to you, but I want to speed it up a little bit. Do you have any more faith in Likely, or are you kind of just, you know, if you're just yeah, going to that... stick with who you got. You're not going to move off of them for Likely
0: anymore. No, that was disappointing for sure. It was the first target of the game, too. He caught it, and I thought maybe he was going to have a decent day. But, yeah, did not even see a look after that. Uh, definitely concerning. I think if Andrews misses any more time, he falls into the, you know, 15 to 20 range of tight ends.
1: Yep, and then Dalton Schultz, uh, two catches on four targets for a whopping four yards, a nice one yard per attempt towards his way. Uh, go another way if you can. This offense is not going to be sustainable in general, even for a tight end. He may have a random good week or so, but not going to be too much. And then basically the rest of the started tight ends all kind of dudded this week. There wasn't yep. really, a gear, like I said, a good performance from a well-known tight end, so – if you feel like your tight end tight end position was the reason you lost, it probably was not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you probably played another tight end that disappointed as well. Uh, I have a few other guys that didn't necessarily dud or stud uh, one way or the other, but I wanted to bring them up because uh, I thought you know they were worth having a conversation about whether it was their usage or whether you know encouraging or discouraging. Cam Akers, twenty two carries, twenty nine yards, and a touchdown. Really wish I could have put him in the dud section. There just was so many bad players this week. Uh, I couldn't because he actually ended up having an okay fantasy day with the touchdown. Uh, but super inefficient. Only played 35% of snaps. Got way out-touched, or not way out-touched, but way out-snapped by Kyron Williams. I think you need more sample size here to be sure, but this is a really big red flag. When they do not you know, dominate time of possession like they did, it's going to be really tough for Akers to get this many touches if he's being out-snapped by Kyron Williams. I, uh, I am pretty concerned if I have him as an RB2. I didn't draft a ton of them this year, though.
1: Yeah, luckily drafted zero Cam Akers. Got, got lucky. I drafted him last year, and it really, really burned me. So this week, they're playing the 49ers. I'm not playing nope. Cam Akers. Nope. So Absolutely yeah, I, I don't think you drop them because if something happens to Kyron Williams, you know Cam Akers becomes immediately a, a must-start guy again, at least as an RB2. But Very, very concerning moving forward. We'll see what the snapshot looks like against the Niners.
0: Yeah, we've seen Sean McVay really tinker with his running back room before. So, again, I'm not going to, you could see him being the lead guy next week, and it wouldn't surprise me that much. But yeah, definitely, definitely a concern uh, to start the season. Kenneth Walker. I think this is someone we are encouraged with. Uh, I, again, am a little bit biased. So Cody talked me off the ledge if I'm being a little too positive here, but he was the, uh, by far the lead guy He dominated touches out of the backfield. Charbonnet did not, uh, factor in basically at all. We didn't get to see who the goal back was cause they didn't get there. Uh, but he got 17 opportunities in a game where the Seahawks offense was, uh, not moving the ball at all, did not run that many plays. So, uh, getting still a healthy 17 opportunities was pretty encouraging to me. Looked okay in the carries yeah. he did get too.
1: Yeah. He was a target for me in redraft leagues. I think he's going to be extremely valuable. This isn't a, you know, a Bijan Tyler Alzier situation where they spend extreme draft capital to bring in another running back. I know it was a, a second day pick for on Charbonnet, but so with Kenneth Walker, he's extremely good. As long as he continues to be as efficient as he is and, you know, be good at football, he's going to continue getting those touches. We'll see what the red zone and goal line look like. Obviously, they didn't get there, so we don't know, but I'm nothing but encouraged this week if I'm a Kenneth Walker owner.
0: Ramondre Stevenson uh, got 12 carries and 6 catches. That sounds fine on the surface, but they ran a ton of plays, and Zeke had 14 opportunities of his own. Uh, In a game where they run less plays, this could be a pretty big problem, Cody. Zeke saw plenty of targets as well, so they were basically just splitting work somewhat down the middle here i didn't get i didn't watch this whole game uh like like you said uh but just looking at the stat line this is pretty discouraging stevenson did play a lot more snaps than zeke so that's good but uh yeah this touch distribution is fairly concerning how do you feel about it
1: yeah my only comment on this is bill o'brien get in your offensive scheme find ways to get ramondre stevenson in space because like the two times Mm -hmm. you were able to this past sunday he looked phenomenal every other He's time when you're just putting them in traffic, it just is what it is. Like you're not going to, you're not going to consistently break three tackles and get a, a positive gain on a play. So I, I'm not encouraged by Zeke getting 14 opportunities, but I mean, if you look at the two play, I think Ramon clearly has a step on him. but the Patriots like the guys who can sit there on third down and pass block and then, you know, leak out for the yeah. little screen pass. And I think Zeke's going to eat on that play this year and, that, that sucks for Romandre because that, that could be where he really makes a difference in fantasy football.
0: Yeah, you got to hope the talent wins out here, but you just cannot trust Patriots running backs. Their committees are always notoriously hard to nail down. Uh, so we'll see how it turns out there. Ryan Robinson, another guy I think we're encouraged with. I think he seems to be the clear lead back here. This was a soft matchup against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, but this was a pretty close game all the way through. So they weren't necessarily, you know, up by multiple scores for uh, the majority of this game, and he got 19 carries to Gibson's three. He also out-targeted him 2-1, to although Gibson did play basically all of the third downs and ran the two-minute drill, so the target thing probably just a fluke. But uh, regardless, uh, the fact that he got 21 opportunities to Gibson's four I think says quite a bit uh, about where they see these guys right now. That's a pretty large disparity.
1: Yeah, good call by Nick on this one. I really didn't know which way to go in this Washington offense, and he, he, you know, he was on the Robinson side of that. So, I uh, good call on on your part. And yeah, I mean, based off what you saw, I don't necessarily see them swinging the swinging it all the way back to where Gibson uh, is the main guy here. So, you know, maybe a full PPR as we get into bye weeks, Gibson has some flex value. But going into week two, it's either Robinson or nothing. I think from this backfield.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, you can't trust Gibson right now with uh, that uh, that low amount of touches. That being four, being your floor is just a little too low for fantasy relevance right now. Before bye weeks and injuries have piled up, uh, do you have any other studs, duds, anything that you want to mention before we jump to waiver wire pickups?
1: I I don't think so. I think we're good to go. Let's jump into the waiver wire again. Let's this is weird. going to be another drop that's probably three seconds short. But let's get into it. <laughs> waiver wire pickups.
0: Healthy that base on that drop. Longer. I like it. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. We'll work those out. We we just we had this. I wanted to throw something in for this episode since it was week one. We will uh, we'll work on the editing tomorrow. When hey, I get off of work.
0: Hey, I like the bones are there, Cody. We are we're we're getting there. Those those drops are really giving us some production value. But um so we're just going to mention a few of the guys. A lot of these guys we've already talked about, but we're going to go position by position. Give you a couple guys if you need a waiver wire pickup. If you are a unfortunate Aaron Rodgers owner uh, from the quarterback position. We're going to start there. Matt Stafford, uh, good call by Cody this preseason. He was pretty high on him. Uh, I think he looks really, really good in week one. The offensive line held up, uh, did not score any touchdowns, so he might fly under the radar a little bit, but he threw for 330 yards, just did not end up with any of the scores. Again, I think two went to Williams and one went to Akers in short yardage. If the touchdowns come back his way, he could be valuable. I think you throw you only gonna have to throw a couple bucks on him if you need a starter moving forward in a deeper league and he uh he might be a, a solid replacement. Uh, I guess not this week against San Francisco, but moving forward.
1: I was gonna say it's it's a little bit tough if you're in the Aaron Rodgers camp because you don't necessarily want to feed him to the Wolves against the 49ers, but yeah. you, uh, wait a week. you know, if you have if you have someone you can play week two, I definitely think Stafford's a guy that, you know, maybe you throw on the end of your bench for week three plus matchups and and see what he can do. And, yeah, he looked really good. I mean, I'm I'm honestly surprised how good that Rams offense looked. I was expecting them to come out and look very sluggish just based on all of the offseason, you know, talk and banter about them.
0: Yeah, Sean McVay is still a fantastic coach. He did a lot of good uh, scheming in this one. So I think you can – you know, Stafford might be more of a long-term play for a Rodgers replacement uh, rather than just this week and uh, week two. Brock Purdy, uh, I'm gonna kinda let you handle this one because I've not really changed my opinion on him. I'm still not the biggest fan, but it doesn't even matter when you're a Kyle Shanahan. Uh you're in a you're in a system that Kyle Shanahan runs, you are always going to be in streaming category. Again, another guy, if you have Rogers or another quarterback that was injured this week, then uh he can pivot to him.
1: Yeah, this is going to be pretty simple if you're Brock Purdy. As long as you're not driving while listening to this, just close your eyes and imagine you're an NFL quarterback. And you look deep to your left and you get Debo Samuel way out there. You look deep to your right, you have Brandon Ayuk. You got Kittle somewhere close to you and Christian McCaffrey behind you. It doesn't get much sweeter than that as a quarterback in the NFL. So, yeah, he's probably going to, you know, waver around two touchdowns a game. It'll probably come down to yardage on how many points he gives up. He's a streamer, definitely not anyone you'd consider as an every week starter, but deserves to have his name in there. Honestly, another guy that kind of surprised me with how well he played. It it, it looked like he basically had no elbow surgery this offseason the way he was throwing the football around. So good for him, but I want to see him continue to do it. And, again, it was supposed to be a matchup that was supposed to be extremely tough, and they just diced him up with that offense, man. They may just be that good with all their
0: weapons. Moving on to the running backs, Kenneth Gainwell, probably the biggest waiver wire pickup of the week. Uh, Cody, let's just, we've already kind of given our analysis on the Eagles' backfield. I think we have some concerns that it may, you know, shift a little bit back and forth between Scott, uh, Swift, and Gainwell moving forward. But this week, he pretty much dominated the touches. If he's on your wire, and let's say you're a J.K. Dobbins owner, like someone on this podcast, how much fab would you spend on kenneth gainwell
1: oh that is a tough question um so yeah unfortunately i was the manager who put kenneth gainwell onto a waiver wire on sunday morning because i had to go claim a kicker and i did not want to drop any of my other young pieces so he will be out there in one of my leagues if i not the one I yeah i mean not, if you need a running back <laughs> i'm willing to go I don't, I don't think I'm willing to go really more than 15% of my fab budget on Kenneth Gainwell. It's a long season. If you need a spot start, I think you can confidently play him next week. Uh, if you're in a situation where, like, you don't have a J.K. Dobbins anymore and maybe you went zero RB and just don't have the depth you need there with starters, but – I'm not going all out for Kenneth Gainwell. It's still a committee. I I wouldn't doubt it if we're talking about the Eagles in three to four weeks and Rashad Penny has a big week or something like that. Kind of out of left field happens that we're not expecting. So that's the risk you take on as a Gainwell owner. Um, But, again, if you're desperate, 15% is probably the max I'm doing, you know, 20%. 20, I would say you're getting them probably just about every league that's, that has sharp players.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think you might have to be a little aggressive here with J.K. Dobbins going down. I think uh, if you are desperate and you don't have good running back depth and you lost a Dobbins or uh, someone else that I'm not thinking of right now, I'd be willing to go up to 25. That's as high as you can go. But, again, you you want to be aggressive with your waiver wire budget early in the year because you are getting more utility out of the guys you pick up earlier. Uh, a lot of the times the week winning or the the league, the league winning waiver wire guys are being picked up early on, you know, the first five weeks of the year, somewhere around there. So I agree with Cody. You don't want to, you know, splurge on the first guy that comes up on the uh, on the waiver wire. But I think you taking a chance on a guy that could be the lead back and one of the best offenses of the NFL is a good bet to make. I'd be OK going up to twenty five.
1: All right, fair enough. I I will uh, I'll report back and let you know what he goes for in my league. Same. I do the same if he's a free agent in yep. any of yours. we'll we'll talk about it on Thursday and kind of see what the median price was because it will be interesting. There is going to be some def- desperate owners just throwing exactly. a good amount on Gainwell.
0: Kyron Williams same question uh this one I think obviously has a few more question marks uh his snapshot was encouraging but he's not a special talent he's still going to share with cam makers who knows how that split will work out moving forward but how much fab are we putting on Kyron Williams
1: yeah he's a guy that is just a throw on my bench kind of guy and hope for the best um probably capping it out at like five and I know I'm not getting him there there's going to yeah. be someone who's going to drop a 10 or 15 er on him, but you know you can't play him next week so if you're the Dobbins owner you know if you're throwing Williams out there against the Niners you're basically just accepting a you know six or less possibility in that spot yeah um yeah I, I get I know I'm probably going to miss out on him. maybe I'm a little too you know conservative with my fab budget but Even if he is extremely good, he may not get another two-touchdown performance all season long, and this may be the peak for him. So I'm not going to splurge on him, but someone in your league is going to drop 10, 15 probably. So if you want him, you're going to have to pay up for him.
0: I think this is a nice kind of back-and-forth we have here because I am in the position where I'm a bit more desperate as a J.K. Dobbins owner in one of my more important leagues. So uh, I I think I would authorize 15 – I wouldn't go much higher than that, though. I'm not going to go crazy. Again, I'm not crazy about the talent of this player specifically, and I think this situation could be really fickle in the Rams' backfield. So I don't want to trust it, but I can't acknowledge – I have to acknowledge the fact that he's in a Sean McVay offense, and if he ends up being the lead guy this year, he's going to be easily worth uh, a 15% fab 100%. Tyler Algier and Josh Kelly, a couple guys that kind of fall into the same group for me. Uh, Do you have any interest in dropping fab on either one of these guys, or would you rather your league mates uh, waste their fab budget on
1: them? Yeah, I definitely think it's a little bit of a waste. I mean, if you are going to spend anything more than, again, $5, $7 on these guys to get the value you're going to spend on them, you really are banking on an injury to either Bijan or Eckler, so... I don't necessarily want to bet on that being the case. You know, I personally as an Eckler owner, I'm gonna throw an undisclosed amount on Josh Kelly. Do you have J.K. <laughs> Robinson in our many dynasty leagues? Yes, of
0: course I do.
1: <laughs> um no, You're I mean again, Joshua Kelly's just gonna have more value to me because I think the running back position for the Chargers is an extremely valuable position for yeah. fantasy football. Sure so is. if I can keep that on my team, you know, he's gonna be worth you know, it sounds dumb, but if there's going to be a guy I splurge on, if I'm an Eckler owner, it might be Joshua Kelly, just because you still get a part of that, you know, Justin Herbert led offense. Algiers a little bit different for me. I think he's like I said, he's going to be flexible for probably a couple weeks, but Bijan looks so good. If the if the Falcons are going to be a serious team in the NFC South, I mean, you want that guy touching the ball as much as possible. I don't think every week it's going to be as easy as the Panthers. I don't expect Tyler Algier to maintain this kind of fantasy value. So I don't want to say anything you put on him may come back as a waste, but I wouldn't be surprised if week five or six you're dropping Tyler Algier to pick up someone else. So I'm probably avoiding him.
0: Yeah, I think 10% is the max I would recommend for either one of these guys. Maybe a little more for an Austin Eckler owner that just wants to make sure they lock up that Chargers backfield, especially if his, uh, you know, if the injury report comes back and he's actually questionable for this week, but uh, agreed. I don't think either one of these guys is going to necessarily be a league winner. Algier especially is probably going to get worse as the year goes on from a production standpoint. Josh Kelly just is not going to be someone you can start while Austin Eckler is healthy, in my opinion. I, I don't think there's enough to go around in that Chargers run game for those two. Uh, Let's move on to the wide receivers. Another really interesting Ram to talk about here. Cody, fantastic call on the week one waiver wire segment. Already a pretty pretty successful segment just based on that one because we were shooting pretty deep shots. I feel like we were going under 20% rostered. Great call on Puka Nakua. Got 15 targets this week. Looked really, really good in this game. Uh, I think 15 targets almost speaks for itself, but the production was there as well. I believe he caught uh, 11 balls and for about 110 yards. So uh, this, is, this is pretty encouraging. I think there is room for two Rams pass catchers here. We'll get to the next guy that also performed pretty well from this Rams team that kind of complicates things. But uh, what are we willing to put down on Puka Nakua?
1: Yeah, this one's tough for me because I actually got him in multiple leagues. So I, I took my own advice and snagged him up and and, you know, luckily won't have to worry about bidding on him. But I think that he's gonna be good, especially while Cooper Cup's gone. I think when Cup comes back, I'd expect, you know, obviously he's gonna be the main target getter. So this may be a little bit of a hold, you know, over while Cup is gone. I let's see. I know he's available in at least one of my leagues. If I'm a desperate at wide receiver, uh, I'm willing to just go ahead and, and shoot my shot on him. Maybe as high as might sound crazy, but forty percent, forty five, fifty wow. maybe not fifty. I think forty oh, percent I'd man. put on him. Uh if you're desperate, if you need a wide receiver to go ahead and plug and play, I think you can go ahead and spend it on this guy. No, that's again I, first game in the NFL if you're getting fifteen targets,
0: you know, yeah, you're if right. If you listen to
1: fantasy football Podcast, targets are an earned stat and that you've probably heard that a million times. So you know, when we're looking at Drake London in his second year getting one, or Puka Nakua getting fifteen in his first game, there may just be a separation here that, for fantasy value, that we may not be able to explain. So, if you're desperate or you need wide receiver depth, I think Puka Nakua is a guy to take a shot on, just because we may not see another, you know, another rookie have a game with fifteen targets, especially a game where his team wins thirty to thirteen.
0: Yeah. Um, whatever it was. Wow, I thought I was going to be aggressive. I thought I was going to say thirty. Uh, because again, yeah, like you said, that I'll just echo everything you said there. There's no need to repeat it. I think uh this could be one of your, you know, waiver wire darlings early on in the year, just showcasing himself here. Had a lot of injury trouble in college, didn't have a ton of production, but was good when he was on the field. So he might just be a better player than everyone expected. And fifteen targets is really hard to overlook. I think you gotta be pretty aggressive if you wanna go get him too, especially in deeper leagues, so um, I think or I'd just be okay listening to
1: the fantasy football podcast, you know, and you'd already be on your before. roster.
0: Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good call Cody. Uh, but that's interesting to see. He is available in our many dynasty leagues. So I wonder what kind of bid we're going to see on him this week, but uh, yeah, should be fairly aggressive in my opinion. I agree.
1: Absolutely. How about
0: two, two out? Well, same game Rams receiver, uh, got eight targets also had over hundred yards on six catches uh, I think there's probably only enough room for one Rams pass catcher beyond Cup once he returns. So I think you gotta kind of got, you have to call your shot on Nakua or Atwell, and it seems like we're both lead, leaning Nakua. So for Atwell, maybe just a three or four week rental, but could be could be pretty decent uh, during that time. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I do agree with you, and I actually just thought of an interesting part. I do believe Nakua was probably lining up a lot in the slot, similar to where Cooper Cup was lining up. It seemed like a lot of his catches were over the middle of the field, similar to where Cooper Cup typically operates. So that may be a little bit Something of a damper when, yep. when Cup comes back. So um, because of that reason, I'm also willing you know to throw – you know if you don't go all in on Nakua, maybe you throw a little bit on Nakua to see if he slips through. I would also throw a little bit on Atwell because – He's been with the Rams for multiple years now. He he should know their system pretty much in and out. So if there's a guy that Matthew Stafford needs to trust, as long as Atwell is healthy and out there, he should be one of those guys. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on Nakua. Obviously, maybe because I, you know, called my shot on him a little early. I'm a little bit more perky about him, but I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on Atwell? I know you said you're pretty much on Nakua. Are you willing to go ten, fifteen on Atwell, or are you kinda hoping maybe get him with like a three or five dollar bid?
0: I think I'd probably lean towards your second strat there and uh, throw maybe a smaller bid and hope he falls through the cracks. Uh, I think he does probably occupy a different spot on the field and cup, which is nice, but I think at this point you just have to look at the production and you know follow it. Uh, Atwell has had a few years, hasn't really had a game like this before. It was encouraging to see, but this is Nakua's first NFL game and he was already a dominant target hog, so uh, really hard for me to ignore that. I'd prefer him, but Atwell, you know, you can throw, like you said, you know, five to ten somewhere in there and hope that uh, everyone else in your league is off.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, let's talk about this guy and how much we're both just dumping on him this week.
0: Yeah, Kendrick Bourne, uh, I think we're letting others waste their fab on him. Uh, it, he did play the most snaps out of any Patriots wide receiver, but this is not going to be a pes- pass-heavy offense this year in all, in all likelihood, so I don't think either one of us are really interested at all. Maybe throw a buck or two on him, but otherwise I'd say let everybody else waste their fab on
1: him. Yeah, I think even if you if you drafted a young guy, maybe like a Quentin Johnson or someone like that, and maybe he's the last guy on your waiver I'm not dropping him for a no, guy like Kendrick keep Johnson. I, yeah, I would
0: definitely uh, him.
1: Mike Williams actually already had an injury to start the season. He did come back and yep. finish the game, but the second that he goes down, I think that opens up a big opportunity for you know a guy yeah. like Quentin Johnson. So that's just my like in my personal situation, I have him at the end of my bench a lot. Right, I, I would drop him for a Puka Nakua just because I can instantly plug and play him. Kendrick Bourne, I'm not dropping a, a potential valuable player for. So just a heads nope. up for you fantasy players out there.
0: Yeah, the way we structure our benches, we probably don't have someone that we really want to drop for Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I think this one's actually a little more interesting. We already kind of talked about how the injury is going to dampen enthusiasm league-wide for him. He was really involved, though. If you need depth moving forward, I think this is a sneaky guy to put, you know, say eight or nine bucks on and hope that everyone else is off of him because they're not going to be able to play him this week. And then you have yourself a you know solid flex play level uh, type of guy moving forward.
1: 100% agree with you there. Yeah, I think he can be – hopefully that, you know, his injury does dampen enthusiasm. Again, I think Nick pointed out a great, you know, a great little tidbit when we talked about him earlier. You know, uh, goodness gracious, it's getting late. Devontae Adams was – uh, covered by Pat Sertan, so when he has a lesser corner on him, you know Jimmy Garoppolo may be willing to test that corner a little bit more than he was Sertan. So, I do think that you know the injury dampens it a little bit. I I'm probably with you. Maybe eight nine bucks in the league where you know receiver yeah, some value, a three wide receiver or a two flex league or maybe both mm-hmm. or something. You just need you exactly. Know, back-end players with high upside, he can do that. He kind of reminded me a little bit of, uh, you know, while he was in the game, the Hollywood Brown role with the Cardinals when they had Kyler last year. He was just catching everything around, not around the line of scrimmage, but basically before the first down line and then getting yards after catch with it, you know, just a bunch of opportunities. So if that maintains, he's going to be a really good fantasy asset. But Devontae Adams probably has something to say about that that target share that he got in the offense. I'm sure he wants more
0: opportunities. Yeah, uh, deeper leagues with, like you said, either double flexes or three wide receivers, these are the type of guys that become pretty valuable around buys. Uh, and, you know, obviously injuries will hit harder later in the year as well. So somebody that you can plug in and expect about 10 half PBR points uh, pretty much every time out.
1: Absolutely. All right. I think we we got enough out there for the people. We will be back with a Thursday night preview. We'll have another Beat the Wire segment I think that's a good segment for the boys so far. We got a couple names out there, so we'll we'll throw a couple more your way. But uh, Nick, any last words? Or are we getting out of here?
0: Say, hey, follow that best bets pods off to a hot start this year. We went one in yep. five to start last year and ended up in the money. So uh, the world is our oyster now that we're off to a hot start this year.
1: Yep, absolutely. Also, primetime time uh, divisional unders are just hitting at an all time rate right yep. now. So just keep on hammering those bad boys. All yes, right, sir. let's get out of here.
0: Peace out. all right wednesday
1: yep wednesday will be the day i have i've got to tell